You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. We'll get into that in just a minute. I, I want you to recognize, though, I'm wearing my Boston Red Sox hoodie today for opening day, which officially has been postponed. So a great start to the season. <laughs> so did you put the sweatshirt on before it was postponed? And are no. you the reason? Yeah. No, okay. I did not. I did not jinx. I did not jinx the Red Sox. I did not jinx the uh, the weather uh, for the Sox O's today. All right, so let's get into it. Robert Kraft uh, speaking some truth, Greg, about the 2020 season and how the team got to this point. Yeah, I thought it was really refreshing, Nick. I thought that, um, you know, look, the only person I understand how the Patriots are set up and I don't disagree with the way the Patriots are set up that basically during the football season, Bill's the one who talks for the football organization. And I get it. I don't disagree with it. Uh, but it's a little bit problematic when the season is going down the tubes and you're not getting any real answers from uh, the chief executive of the football team like this past season with Belichick. Um, he basically deflected everything. Uh, he got defensive about any questions. Um, I Look, he's in charge of the team. I understand pointed comments about, say, their their inability to draft uh, well the past couple of years wouldn't exactly reflect well on the players he's ter- currently trying to coach. But there is a way to say what everybody wants said without saying it. And Bill just decides to do things uh, the quickest way possible, the easiest way possible. I understand why he does it. I'm not going to, I'm not criticizing him for it, but it, it does cause problems when the team looks like it's floundering. Where are we going? What is the direction? Things like that. And no one's answering any questions directly. And what I heard from Robert Kraft yesterday was a man who uh, was completely honest about where the team is in a lot of different areas. Uh, I, I would, we'll get into this, but I don't think his quarterback comments were, something to really weigh in heavily on. Um, But I do think that overall, I mean, him talking about, um, you know, the draft specifically, the personnel, he didn't sound thrilled with having to shell out as much money as he did. And he basically admitted that the only reason they had to do that is because they didn't draft well in recent years. And, um, and, And he admitted what a lot of us have said, where it's not sustainable to do that. You need the draft to be the lifeblood of your team so that you can do other things. Like you can't just every three years sign 
10 free agents. It's just, uh, it, A, it's probably not going to happen. B, it's not economically feasible. And so I thought it was very refreshing for Robert to uh, to talk to the assembled media yesterday and and really be honest. And I think, you know, and judging from the comments uh, at bostonsportsjournal.com from my column off of this press conference, I think on a whole, I thought the, Patri- the Patriots fans reacted very well to it. They were like, okay, well, at least now we know that the person in charge realizes is a isn't happy about it called last season horrible and b thinks that the team has made correction and is moving in the right direction that's all anybody ever wanted to to hear from anybody at at one patriot place and they heard it from Kraft, and i think it made patriot nation breathe a little bit easier not that they weren't confident in bill belichick rebounding in any event but i just think it reinforced that all right we're we're still the patriots we had a we had an off year didn't go well we're going to correct things and we're going to get things back on track. I think it's been a good combination between Belichick and Kraft since yeah. the beginning of this relationship. They get along, you know, reasonably well from what we know. I do think that it's great that Kraft, for the most part, stays out of the personnel side. I don't like when owners, unless you have a, a role within that personnel side, like Jerry Jones, I never think it's a good idea for the owner of the team to come out and start talking about, oh, this or that. We saw that with John Morrow with the Giants over the weekend with the New York Post saying Daniel Jones, he thinks Jones can win a Super Bowl, if not multiple Super Bowls. I just, I don't think that's a very good idea. Nope. They've been able to not step on each other, which is so crucial over two decades for this thing to work. And I know a lot of people wanted Belichick to say some of this stuff during the season. I think you bring up a good point. It's very difficult to bring up how bad the roster is while you're coaching these guys, because what you're saying in essence is, yeah, these guys suck. (laughs) And then you walk into the locker room the next day, like, Hey guys, you suck. Now let me try to teach you. It's not, it's not going to land well in the locker room. So you don't do it during the season. I know a lot of people wanted Belichick to say something after the season. He did not. I think people though can live with this. And what this is, is your owner saying vocally what you wanted to hear and your head coach and GM who is seen as stubborn goes out there and through his actions, Greg shows us that he understands. So you had the actions from Belichick through free agency to the words of Kraft and what he said yesterday. And I think Patriots fans now can rest their heads on their pillow a little bit and say, Hey, at least they get it. They might not get it right, but at least they get it. Actions speak louder than words. And I think that Belichick sort of adopts that philosophy and, you know, walk, uh, walk softly, but carry a big stick. I think is what Belichick does. And I think, you know, we talked about it from towards the end of the season and the feedback that I was getting that, look, Bill realizes what's going on here. He's going to be aggressive in the off season. He knows he has to address issues, especially offensively. Uh, He, he is going to be aggressive to fix things. And, and that's the way things played out. But I thought, I think you're spot on. I My only qualm with Belichick was, you know, once the season's over, um, and, and this is really the way most organizations work, you know, at your post game or, and I think if I remember correctly, I think Bill only does the post game, like after the finale, like he doesn't have one and he might've had one a couple days later. I forget. Um, but at the season ending presser, whenever that is, that's when you take a little bit of accountability because you know that the roster is going to change. You're right. not coaching these guys the next day. And right. I understand Bill's mentality, which is in fact 
you know, the way he is wired, which is the, the only thing that is, is important is the next game. Well, there's not another game because your, your team slowly went from Super Bowl champions where they look, that was, that was a minor miracle what they did in 2018 to put it all together down the stretch and, and to win the Super Bowl. Um, and then the slow decline to, uh, Let's see. They were nine and uh, nine and eleven, I think, in their last twenty games, something along those lines. Um, you know, after the season, Bill just should have owned up to some of the stuff, but it's no big deal. I mean, because Robert did it, and now we know that, at least in Robert's minds, they have made corrections, and he feels good about where they're where they're going. And um, this isn't ideal what they've had to do, which is basically make up for three or four drafts in one off season. Yes, there was a market inefficiency this year that they were able to take advantage of. Um, no, it was not planned. It was, it was a, a happy accident for them. And now we're going to see whether they can, basically this is a mulligan. You know, a lot of us play golf out there. You get on the first tee and you shank one. They shanked one this past year. Nah, mulligan, tee it up again. We'll see if they can pick up where they left off. Yeah, the 2020 season was dead on arrival, and people wanted Belichick to give us the autopsy, and he didn't want to give us the autopsy. He wanted Fair. to move on. He wanted to slide the body in and just say, it is what it is. Why talk about what went wrong? Let me focus on what I can do right. I do think I agree with you, Greg. You would like him to say something after the season is over. He doesn't have to hit all the notes. He doesn't have to tell us exactly what we want to hear. He doesn't have to read off of mine or your script. Like give us mm -hmm. something, but that's just not his style. And after 20 years, 20 plus years, as he would say, it is what it is. Let's get into some of the specifics about what Kraft had to say. I first want to talk about the draft stuff because you mentioned he said, hey, yep. listen, this year was horrible. You know, we're in it to win. We didn't win enough. This year sucked. But his more pointed comments to me really were about the draft and, yep. you know, some of the things that they missed on. And the fact that they hadn't done enough, he said, you know, we missed to a certain extent in the draft. This was our best opportunity in free agency. Just your thoughts on what he had to say about the draft, because in a way, that is a shot to Belichick. You know, yep. Belichick is in charge of shopping for the groceries. Here's your owner saying, yeah, those shopping trips over the past couple of years didn't go well. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was um, sort of a pointed criticism at Belichick and basically saying like, look, I don't like having to do this. We shouldn't have to do this. Um, I'm giving you a one-time reprieve because for whatever reason, our drafting hasn't been very good, but we need to get back on the horse because this is not sustainable. This is exactly what we laugh at other teams for doing. We're like, oh, you know, they suck at drafting. So now they're trying to buy a Super Bowl. See how that works for you. I mean, that's the Patriots right now. And it, and Kraft is not happy about it. And but he said that I thought it was interesting that he said that um, that we you know we had to make corrections. He also talked about uh, that he feels like they are seeing some things that they have changed. Uh, you know, Nick, I thought this was a criticism of Belichick, but I, I don't know how you felt about it. But I thought overall, I thought the whole press conference was a basically a a big endorsement of Belichick and what he's doing and where he is. There wasn't any, there wasn't any hint of, you know, there is a segment of the Patriots fan population. I would say a small segment that 
is unhappy about what ha- what has happened with Brady, what has happened with the roster. They think that Belichick was propped up by Brady, and now he's been exposed in that that his job should be on the line if they don't rebound this season. And I heard none of that stuff from Belichick. And in fact, when he talked about Brady and the decisions that they made, what I heard between the lines was Kraft had a choice to choose between the quarterback and the coach. And he chose the coach. And I thought that was significant. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I agree with Kraft. I mean, when you're talking about somebody who is 43 years old, no matter how great he is, and we all understand the importance of the quarterback position, but Belichick fills so many roles within this organization. And inevitably, Greg, if you believe in that guy, then you believe he's going to be able to find the next quarterback. So you put your belief in the person who's at the very top. As far as the people that you know want Belichick fired or on the hot seat, they're completely unreasonable. I would suggest <laughs> not to have discussions with many of those people if they're at the bar. Uh, you know, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I, it, Nick, you, I try to stay in the I try to stay in the meat of the Patriots um, yeah, yeah. fandom because you do you have you have those two ends. You have you the. Do. Uh, the, the people, for whatever reason, don't like Belichick, his personality or whatever, or were Team Brady and want him gone. And then you have the other end of the spectrum, and we all know about that, that group, that uh, the, the Patriots never do anything wrong, and anybody who dares even uh, criticize or be critical or be fair or be cynical about what the Patriots are doing, they're the worst and and the worst example of media and things like that. I try to stay in the the very smart, the very reasonable the very uh, the very enjoyable middle of the Patriots fandom, the large fandom. And and many of them, of course, are listeners to our podcast here right. and our members at BSJ. So I like living in that realm. Yeah, I try to stay in the same section. And, and when I was doing some radio for EEI during the football season, you know, we'd have people calling and complaining about everything that's happening, which is fine. Yep. But then, you know, some of them would inevitably go after Belichick and, oh, he's got to be gone, he's got to be gone, he's And let me just quickly give you kind of a real-world analogy here because I I think people need to pull themselves away from the football field and their fandom and just look at this realistically. If you are a Patriots fan, imagine if you are a a, a business owner and that business is the Patriots, right? And you're Robert Kraft. Let's say you're running some kind of car dealership or anything with a sales staff. And there's a sales guy on your staff that for the past 20 years has given you nothing but the best results year after year after year after year. And if he's not the best in the country, he's at least top three in the country. He's giving you all these sales results. And then one year he slips one year. Those results are not there. If you are running that business, if you are running that sales staff, are you getting rid of the guy who had 20 years of unbelievable, unparalleled sales success because of one down year? No, you're not. Tell nobody, them. no matter what business you're talking about, nobody would say Bill Belichick or sales guy X, saleswoman X, nobody would say that person's job was in jeopardy because of one down year. And by the way, it was seven and nine. Okay. I know it looked <laughs> awful and I know the roster stunk, but please, people. We have teams every year winning one game, two games, zero games, four games. This is not a three and thirteen team, a two and fourteen team. This was a seven and nine team, and a lot of the seven and nine has to do with Belichick, the coach. 
So yep. I, I just think people got to relax with that. I, I do want to dive into what you kind of just mentioned. You touched the outer edges of it. I want to dive deep into it because I know at the end of the year, you talked about the Patriots, you talked about Belichick and how they approached the draft and what their philosophy was. And you had said during one of these podcasts, from what you had heard behind closed doors, things were going to change. And I think Kraft hit on that. Uh, during the during the press conference, the conference call, he said, uh, I don't feel like we've done the greatest job the last few years, and I really hope and believe I've seen a different approach this year. What is different, and you know what caused that change? It's a great question, Nick, and I, I don't think anybody is going to be able to provide you with um, the clear and ultimate answer on this. And, and the best I can do is piece it together from different sources that I've talked to. Um, you know, I think that I would say at this point, and look, it can be, let's make this point, Nick, and this is the bottom line. It can be all hunky dory right now and they can be doing different things, but the only thing that matters is what happens during the NFL draft. Yep. Because what we've seen in the past and why the Patriots got here is that Bill goes rogue, that under the clock on game day, as opposed to a football game on draft day, he reverts back to his comfort areas, which are, number one, relying on his gut instinct, which I think he's, he's look, he's great at identifying NFL. Give him NFL film and NFL players, he'll, he'll nine out of ten times he's going to pick the right guy, even if you've never heard of him. Um, when it comes to college, it's a it's a lot tougher projection. And the only thing that matters ultimately is what Bill does on draft day. Is he going to continue to listen to his gut, to his friends? Is he going to, instead of if the game plan is we're going to improve offensively, use the first three picks on defense again? Then a lot of this stuff is moot. But I will say this, from what I have heard around the organization – it is more of a collective uh, sort of effort in terms of the draft or in terms of their evaluation. And this goes to free agency. Also, you have Belichick is somewhat involved. Dave Ziegler is taken over for Nick Casario. He is somewhat involved. Elliot Wolf has been promoted within the organization and is now sort of uh, works in concert with Dave Ziegler. Matt Patricia is back working more in personnel than anything. And that sort of collective is, I would say it's a little bit different than what they've done in the fast, past. I wouldn't say it's a huge departure because you did have Casario and you had other guys, Austin Fort, and you know some of the other guys who have left in recent years. But um, so far, it has been a collective. The coaches are getting involved in things now, which is the normal timing for things. The next month, the coaches will and, – and a lot of NFL organizations – run like this, Nick. And let me explain this real quick to people. So what happens is basically like into free through free agency, um, the, the, the college staff works on the draft. Like they, they do all the homework. They're out there scouting. Right. They're at the pro days. Once free agency is over, then for the month before the draft, that's when the coaches get involved and, and grind a lot more film. Not that they haven't yet, but they get a lot more involved. And then, then you come to a consensus as an organization. 
I, I just think it there is more of a collective in terms of what's going on in personnel now. I think Bill has taken a little bit of a step back in terms of personnel. But again, it doesn't really matter what he's doing right now. What matters is what happens on draft day. Is he going to go rogue again? Or is he going to stick with their board that they that these guys have been working on for months, if not years? Yeah, with Nike the dog showing up at the draft last year, <laughs> uh, this might really hit. It might be old dog, old tricks, or old dog, new tricks. And we got to figure out what it's going to be, like you said, during that weekend. And I also think we look at Dave Ziegler and we say, well, wait a minute. He, he was supposedly in the final running in Denver. And yep. he pulled out of that race, right? He, he pulled out. He had this conversation about with Belichick that we don't know a ton about. But that just kind of leads you to believe deductive reasoning. If you're telling me that Ziegler has a pretty firm grasp on what's going on and he, he's more involved maybe than even Conserio was over the past couple of years, if that's the case, then maybe that was the carrot. You know, maybe Belichick said, listen, I'm getting towards the end of my road. And I understand that, you know, I, I want to bring you in more. I want to involve you with with the draft more and all those and 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 give you more power. Maybe, maybe that has to do with it. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't matter. Draft day shows up and Belichick is the same old Belichick. We'll have to wait and see. Let's talk about the quarterback position because you mentioned this. Robert Kraft sounded like he made some excuses for Cam for sure, talking about COVID, talking about how he wasn't surrounded with enough talent. Uh, yeah. What do those excuses for not only Cam but also Jared Stidham? mean do you believe in the big picture greg i don't nick in my opinion i don't think they mean much i think look they they signed cam newton they did enjoy the cam newton experience off the field last year uh jared stidham is is on the roster i think i think Kraft is just commenting on the quarterbacks that they have and and in in all likelihood both of them are going to be on the roster at the end of the day and so uh, it behooves him to speak well of them. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get up there and say after they just re-signed Cam Newton to be like, you know, I can't believe they re-signed that guy. I mean, look what he did last year. Uh, so I, I don't put a lot of stock in the words. I, I, I also don't think that Kraft, when it comes to the inner workings of the roster in terms of, uh, and maybe this might surprise people, I don't think Belichick is like discussing and I don't think Kraft's asking, like, what's the plan at quarterback? Yeah. I just don't think it works that way in this organization. Bill just does what he does. They know it wasn't good enough last year. How much is how much is that on um, the quarterback? How much of it was on personnel? I, you know, a, all that stuff. But I just don't – I don't think Kraft is that involved. They don't have a lot of deep conversations about the quarterback position. I think Kraft is just going off of – Cam's on the roster. We've re-signed them. Jared Stidham's still here. We haven't seen a whole lot of them. Last year was COVID, all this stuff. Maybe they can both be better this year. And I don't think it's unreasonable for Kraft to say those things about either of those players. Yeah, and he, he kept the door open, right? I mean, he, yep. he was asked about the quarterback position in the future. He said, you know, this guy touches the football 70 times a game. We want to make sure that we have something solidified there. Yep. So he did kind of leave the door open to let us know that he understands the right now might not be the answer even a month from now. Yep. He, he did kind of leave that door open. He also showed no regrets about Tom Brady, Greg. Yeah, I, th I was a little bit surprised by that. And, and aside from what we talked about earlier with that, I, I also think that what I heard was um, – sort of a craft that at the end of the day, when it came to that negotiation with 
with uh, with Brady over his contract. I think that I think that Kraft was kind of not done with Brady, but he was just like, look, I think he just th- sort of threw his hands up at the end of the day, like between Belichick's not going to give you the contract extension. I know you want this X, Y, and Z. You're not going to get it from us. Um, I'm not really thrilled that after you sort of made, he didn't, we'll get into this with the BSJ member question, but uh, when basically Brady, he didn't make a power play when it came to Garoppolo. It's just that happened at the time. It was, it, it was, it was weird timing. And, but look, Kraft backed Brady at that point in time. And then for Brady, according to one of the books, I think it was the franchise or whatever, whatever book came out, that I think like a year later, Brady and Giselle are telling Kraft that they don't want to be here anymore. And I think at that point in time, Kraft was just like, what? We just traded our future quarterback, your successor, because you wanted us to show you loyalty. And now you're coming around and you're saying you're done here after I just did that? Like, I think at that point in time, Kraft was just like, look, at the end of the day, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you do whatever you want and dictate your own future. I'm just throwing up my hands. I love you, Tommy, but I'm sort of sick of dealing with this. And if you want to leave, you can leave. I'm not going to anchor you here anymore. It's pretty interesting because I I still think when people talk about Belichick and Brady, Brady, for the most part, he's kind of been unscathed. And of course his season in Tampa helped that and winning the Super Bowl helped that. But this is, is this is a two-way thing here. And I've always looked at this in a certain way. I said this before the, the breakup happened, and I'll say it until I'm blue in the face, until I drop and I'm putting the dirt. You know, when you look at Belichick and Brady, one guy changed. One guy changed fundamentally when it came to negotiating, and that guy was Brady. I'm not saying that it was the wrong thing to do. I'm not saying right. Brady looking for more long-term security or more money was the wrong thing to do. But Belichick is consistent, and he was consistent with Brady pretty much throughout the entirety. He's not going to you know, pay you at the top of the heap. He, he was not willing to give you the long-term extension as you got older. And so you know, Belichick stayed consistent. Brady was not thrilled with that consistency. He wanted the organization to, to move towards him a little bit more than they had, and they didn't want to. And, and that was the major clash of heads. Let's talk about Stephon Gilmore. Because it seems like there could be some momentum for a, a, a Gilmore extension. But then Kraft spoke yesterday, and to you, the owner did not sound too enthused about the cornerback. Yeah, I thought the I thought the reports earlier in the week. Um, I think it was Bert, I think Bert had it um, in his Monday morning quarterback. But I thought it was I thought it was interesting that suddenly, I think Bert reported that Stefan Gilmore would be open to a contract extension with the Patriots. (laughs) I wonder why that is. Did he look around and say, A, I'm injured. B, nobody has any cap space. Uh, I'm not going to get a big contract from somebody. So the Patriots are one of the teams that still has cap space that could do something. So maybe I say, yeah, I'm open to a contract extension here. And And I think what we heard from Kraft where he said basically uh he's a tremendous player for us a great person he's under contract with us we'll see what happens <laughs> meant that uh look he was basically like you know right now we have the upper hand and we'll we'll do something with your contract when when or if we want to 
if if something was imminent or the Patriots were like desperate to hold on to Stephon Gilmore, what you would have heard, which we've heard from Kraft in previous years, is look, we love Stephon Gilmore, but these negotiations are a two-way street. They have to they have to want or give a little and things like that, like we've heard with Wes Welker and other people. We didn't hear any of that talk. Basically, it was like, okay, you know, we we heard you. Um, you know, don't don't call us. We'll call you when it comes to getting a contract extension done. Before we get to the member question of the day, one more thing. It's been popping up all over Twitter, especially uh, during Mac Jones's pro day. Uh, not only Bill Belichick was there at Alabama, but so was Josh McDaniels. Does that mean anything to you, Greg? No. And uh, listeners to this podcast and also members at BSJ know that uh, I, I've been telling them since late last week that this was going to happen and that people were going to go crazy seeing Belichick out there and, and other Patriots coaches. And the, there have been other Patriots coaches out for probably the week prior they started getting out to pro days. So that's happening. Um, as far as what I know from talking to people, um, this was the plan. And this was more about, look, Alabama and Florida have some damn good football players. Miami, Belichick was at also. Uh, they have damn good football players, and they're looking for good football players. And you can you can check off a lot of boxes going to those few pro days. And so uh, I don't think it had anything to do with the quarterback. It didn't, didn't hurt that Mac Jones is there or even Kyle Trask is there at Florida. But I would say their scouting trips were more about prospects plural than any singular position fair I mean I think McDaniels being there was interesting because he doesn't make every single trip so I do think when something out of the normal happens it should be noted I don't think that tells us anything about Mac Jones necessarily uh, he could have right. been there for anybody that was that that was going to be displaying their talent but McDaniels being there it doesn't happen all the time so when he does show Nick, up I, I do think there should be a little more emphasis on that Nick, one quick nugget on that. Sure. Let's just say, from what I heard, the Patriots are uh, looking hard at the – we're looking hard at the receivers at the Alabama workout. So I'll just mm. drop that mm. little nugget there. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, maybe anybody. <laughs> Let's get to the uh, BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. And by the way, that would be awesome. If they got one of those two guys, perfect yeah. fit with the rest of this receiving core. I said it mm -hmm. going back a couple of weeks ago when we mentioned what they might need, what was still on the list. To me, a true bona fide number one receiver is yeah. still on that list. And getting a young guy out of the draft who could be that number one receiver, ooh, baby, now we're talking. Uh, BostonSportsJournal.com, $39.99, 11 cents a day, annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston Pro Sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie, and of course you are, a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis, but Dar does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. I have no idea how to pronounce this name. Quaff CL, Quaff C, I don't know. <laughs> I'll call you Q. Uh, if you Q. don't think there's a difference between competing with a player picked in the 50s or 60s and one in the top three that cost two additional first round picks, I can't help you. The comparison is ridiculous. Uh, Q That's said, from, that was uh, that was my words from the Garoppolo Kyle Shanahan column for earlier in the week for a little okay. context. Okay. And uh, Q asks, wasn't Tom demanding Garoppolo be traded because he was sick of looking over his shoulder at his replacement? Wasn't Bill forced to trade Jimmy while being sure he was the guy to take the reins for this team? It isn't as ridiculous a comparison as you make it out to be, Greg. 
uh so i thought this was a good good question to sort of uh remind people of certain circumstances number one the context that i was using there are some people including my buddy chris gasper who will say that garoppolo we should expect garoppolo to stay and fight for his job because that's what tom brady did with jimmy garoppolo that's what alex smith did uh, that that if if Garoppolo wants out because they're drafting a player at number three, that's the same thing as Carson Wentz tapping out and saying I want out, and he doesn't want to compete with Jalen Hurts. I to me, I think that's a ridiculous comparison. First of all, Jalen Hurts and Jimmy Garoppolo were both drafted in the second round. When you draft somebody in the second round, nobody expects in the next couple of years that you're going to have competition for your job. They're basically saying we're trying to get a guy ready for the future, which is totally reasonable all the time. I don't care who your quarterback is. That NFL team should be in the business of that. Um, Back to Tom and Garoppolo. Number one, I want to clear up some misconceptions. Number one, Tom did not demand Garoppolo get traded. And first of all, that didn't happen until, what, was that Garoppolo's fourth year that he got traded? I think it was, if I remember correctly. Um, But... So that was four years down the road. A, Tom did not demand for Garoppolo to be traded. What happened was the way that I heard it, and, you know, I trust the people I heard it from, and I've been reporting this even before the whole, you know, Seth Wickersham story and everything came down, was that Brady, Brady was irritated by the talk, which he should have been, from Adam Schefter and company saying they won't trade Jimmy Garoppolo for four first round picks the offseason when they should have traded him after Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl and, right. and Tom was not getting a not getting an extension. Tom was irritated about and he should have been that what more do I have to do to prove you that I'm here for the next three or four years? Why aren't I getting an extension? Where's the loyalty for all I've done for this organization? Why are they talking about they're not trading Jimmy? That means if you're not trading Jimmy, that means you're getting rid of me. And that's just, that's unfair. But Tom never went to anybody and said, Jimmy needs to be gone. Well, he just wanted, he wanted the contract extension. If the Patriots gave him the contract extension, he wouldn't have given two stuffings whether Jimmy was here or not. But Tom, Tom wanted a show of loyalty. And what happened was Kraft, whatever the words were, whatever the directives were, and no one knows exactly what was said behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, Bill went from a meeting with Kraft and basically traded Jimmy. Now, I think that they just basically said, look, you can't franchise Jimmy. We're not going to let you franchise him. So you need to make a decision. You can, you know, something along those lines. And once once that was determined, Bill's like, well, now I need to trade him or I'm not going to get anything for him other than like a third round pick. And so Tom never demanded, A, Tom never demanded that Garoppolo be traded. That did not happen. And the other thing was, wasn't Bill forced to trade Jimmy while being sure he was the guy to take the reins for this team? That's not entirely true either. Um, You know, like I just said, that, um, you know, there could have been more discussion. I mean, once that decision, Bill should have traded Jimmy that offseason, the offseason before. Absolutely. He should have traded him then, gotten a boatload for him. That was when his 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 uh, demand was highest in that offseason. Then he should have given Tom Brady a contract extension that would have lasted through 2022. Those things should have went on. Bill wasn't forced to do anything. He could have done all of that. 
He chose not to. That's on Belichick. This has nothing to do with Brady or Kraft, and I just wanted to make that clear. He chose not to, in my estimation, because he didn't believe that Brady was going to continue to do what he's been doing. Which is valid. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's – and a lot of people, you know, when you have hindsight, it really helps, right? You you look yes. back. Of course you have 2020 when you look back. But if you're in, in Belichick's position at that moment, you are responsible for the future of this organization. And if you give a long-term extension to a guy who's going into his 40s or is already in his 40s, yep, and it doesn't work out, well, then what the hell, right? Yep. And not only that, then you you have Brady who's aging, who's on your cap. Then you're still in the same position they're in right now trying to find the next quarterback. So, you know, Belichick, we look back, he made the decision. He got it wrong because Brady defied all odds yep. and continues to defi defy father time. But I can't blame Belichick for making that decision because I would have made the same decision. It's easy to sit back and say, oh, he blew it. Look at Brady winning Super Bowls. Yeah, okay. If you were in that position and, and you had the responsibility for this organization for the next 10 years and you looked at the long history, we know Belichick knows the history of the league like the back of his hand. He's looking at it going, yeah, I, I love Brady. And he, he's still playing at a level that's good enough. But I can't sit here and say at the age of 44 he's going to be doing the same thing. And I have I have a tough time blaming Belichick for that decision. We can all agree that it ended up being the wrong decision. But I can't, in real time, I can't blame him for saying yep. that. I, I just can't. Uh, Greg Bedard, Patriots podcast. Uh, if, you do, if you do give two stuffings about this podcast, uh, you want to subscribe, rate, and review it for us, please. Uh, he's Greg. I'm Nick. We'll talk to you next time. Everybody have a great weekend.